This is the Jason Walker Show. Two-time National Sports Media Association Montana Sportscaster of the Year and three-time loser, the Jason Walker Show. The best local and statewide sports coverage featuring the biggest guests from Montana. Flint Rasmussen uh, joining us here on the Jason Walker Show. He's freaking exhausting, too. You used to dance a lot more. Yeah, I know, lady. I'm 51 years old now. The NAI Hall of Famers, Mike Vendis joining us here Jason Walker Show. And is it just a deal where quarterbacks have to be good golfers? Well, that's all they have time for. They don't work out. They don't lift weights. They don't do anything else. They might as well go get on the golf course and at least have some fun. And from across the country. Doug Gottlieb, our guest here on the Jason Walker Show. End of the day, remember, it, it's your show. It's got your name on it. Howie Mandel, our guest here. Jason Walker, deal or no deal. The Jason Walker Show. Broadcasting from the Major Mortgage Man Cave. Here's Jason Walker. Probably turn the microphone on. Happy Thursday. Oh, we're off to a great start. Happy Thursday. Jason Walker Show, presented by Capital Collision Center. Montana state law says it is your vehicle, it is your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center. Inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave today, and uh, we're going to talk to Susie Milano coming up. Susie was a uh, sports reporter here in uh, Helena, did a great job before moving on to Monmouth, now at UCLA. We're going to talk about her career um, but also we're going to talk about her battle with lupus and, uh, it's, it's pretty, um, pretty tough to listen to some, uh, a little bit. Uh, so we'll talk to Susie on the way also on this day in history and uh, a whole lot more. There are some cancellations, uh, not only the high school front, which we've uh, documented this week, but now on the collegiate front, uh, front as well. As the Rocky Mountain and Western women's games have been canceled for this week, uh, for Saturday, Sunday in Dillon. The men's games will be played as scheduled, just at the time that the women's games were supposed to play. So they moved the men's games up, but the women are not going to play. So this is the second week in a row that Rocky women will not be playing. Uh, because of COVID, they missed last weekend's games against Carroll. I think Rocky women are one in four, one in five this year. They've only played a handful of games because of COVID. And it has not been a, a good situation. I mean, Yellowstone County, as we know, the hotbed of the, uh, of the COVID for the last, well, almost full year now. But, uh, man, and it, it's, it's just tough. I mean, you feel for Wes Keller and his team. They've got a great group of uh, kids down there, and they just can't get on the court. Western women coming off a monster win last night at uh, Providence. I mean, they led like 43-17 to 17 or something at the half. It wasn't even, I mean, close at all. And so Western would like to have kept up that momentum, but now they're going to miss out on two games. The, the, the Bulldog girls are, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going away. And there's just, like I said yesterday, well, we said this almost every damn day. It's no good answer. No good answer. So, uh, that's the latest on that front as far as cancellations. Remember there's hard. I don't know if there's a Western double a boys team playing this weekend. I don't think. Because we know that the Big Sky Glacier games were done Tuesday, 
couldn't the guys couldn't play. Butte is quarantined. So that means games with Helena and Capital are out. Hellgate has a player or someone in the program uh, out. So that Hellgate's not playing this weekend. We know Capital and Helena High, Butte, Glacier, uh, Sentinel maybe? Maybe? And Flathead? <laughs> but if they're not playing each other, it doesn't matter, right? Big Sky Flathead girls are tipping off uh, tonight, so the girls get to play. Uh, let's see. Browning at Ronan. Boys have been sca- canceled or postponed, rescheduled for uh, a week from today. Just keeps going. Keeps going. All right. Um, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. And the more I watch this video, the more frustrated I get. So this was a couple of nights ago at Malta. Rocky Boy and Malta were playing. There was a handful of technicals, some questionable officiating calls. And at the end of the the day, Rocky Boy, down by 15 with 4.32 to play, just walked off the floor after a couple of technicals. We're going to watch the video again. And we'll have a little bit of the audio in the background, but here's the here's the technical for slapping the backboard. Okay, almost came up with the block, but slapped the backboard. Now they call a, a char- they call a blocking foul and then a flop. Watch this: the official on the baseline calls a flopping technical. A, it could have been a block or a charge. It definitely was not a flop. And that's not the most egregious one. So this one... Got a technical on the Rocky Boy bench. Someone said something on the bench. And then Malta coach gets teed up for questioning a foul call, and he was correct. He was he was asking what, what number the player was. At, yeah. Now, so how about this? This is uh, Josh Krebs. Watch this. Um, Krebs gets called. For a push. Now, we talked about this yesterday. After the miss. So he misses right there. They He makes the basket. And then this official, two seconds later, calls a foul. After the ball goes in. Where's the push off? You watch right there. Where's the push off? He didn't touch anybody. And this official makes a terrible call. So this is the most agreed. I mean, it's a great block there. Clear contact on the three-point attempt. Krebs is called for a flop. Now, I've seen this done before in college. But there's clear contact. Boom. And then the flop is called instead of a foul on the multiplayer. Krebs 
very upset, coaching staff very upset. And another T comes in on the coach, so he's gone, Krebs is gone, and then Rocky Boy just says, you know what, screw this, we're done. And I got no problem with them walking off the floor like that. None. None whatsoever. And this is not against, I'm going I'm to say this, there, this, is, this has nothing to do with the city of Malta. This has nothing to do with the, the fans, the people, the players, the st- nothing, nothing against Malta at all. This is straight on the officials. Now, I was, <laughs> I read some comments yesterday. Uh, well, I didn't read them to you, but I read them last night. There was some, there was some comments, um, floated out there. And, you know, Tom Wiley, who took that video or uh, edited the video from the national uh, NFHS uh, site. Um, but there was a ton of calls that just. Zach Wagner on Twitter said, unfortunately for Indian teams, this is and always has been our reality playing in Montana. Every res team and fans have multiple refs they recognize who call games so blatantly against them. And it's 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 hard not to agree with Zach. I don't know where you stand. I'm 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 on Rocky Boy's side on this. And again, this has nothing to do with the town of Malta or any of its players or, or fans or nothing. This is straight on those three. And look, I get it. We've ha- we've we've hammered on officials a long time. And I get it. The officiating pool is. Dwindling, we need better officials and we need more officials. But this doesn't help because this gives us all the ammunition to talk about bad calls. And there was nothing, there was a ton of bad calls. So many. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing if you are an official, right? So two technicals for flopping, one for slapping the backboard, one for a bench violation, uh, one on the Malta t- uh, coach for correctly arguing the wrong player was called for a foul, and just watch it again. I mean, you you be the judge. What do you think? It's it's tough. We're not calling it flat-out racism, but it's some crappy officiating for sure. And it's bad optics on those officials. And again, prefacing, I'm prefacing this, not anything to do with the town of Malta. Nothing. Or it's players, or it's, it's fans. But... You got to start thinking, man. What is going on there? So that's where uh, that's man. So anyway, thanks to uh, Tom Wiley for editing that up and sharing it for everybody to draw their own conclusions. Whew. All right, uh, you can watch the Jason Walker Show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You can listen live on Podbean Network One Sports, Treasure State Radio. 
Uh, you can go to, uh, you can tweet us at Jay Walker Sports. You can Facebook us. You can email Jason at jasonwalkershow.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back into the major mortgage man cave, a very a needed conversation. Susie Milano has been dealing with lupus, and she didn't know it. But the way that she got diagnosed, the amount of help from UCLA, the uh, the way she's handled it is graceful. And we'll talk to Susie about her career and her battle with lupus when we come back. Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center. New vehicles keep coming, and Capital Collision Center keeps earning certifications to repair them. They're Helena's newest GM-certified facility. No matter the make or year, they repair your car to manufacturer's standards and requirements, maintaining its safety and value. Montana State Law says it's your vehicle, and it's your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center, certified in GM, Subaru, and Nissan, and Helena's only shop certified in Honda, Acura, and Ford. When you value safety, go to Capital Collision Center on Euclid. Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Have you thought about buying a home and just don't know where to begin? Well, when it comes to one of the most important purchases one can make, we understand it can be frustrating and confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Major Mortgage Team help you with all your mortgage needs. Major Mortgage means major service, and we would love the opportunity to help you today. Give J.R. McFadden, NMLS number 1246357, a call today at 406-465-1918. Or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of AMCAP Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender. Storewide savings are what you'll find when you shop for new home furnishings at Rutgers Furniture. This means tremendous values on Helena's largest in-stock selection of home furnishings. When you shop Rutgers, you'll find storewide savings on the furniture you want for every room in your home. And you'll also find our selection of Serta iComfort, the most comfortable beds in Helena. 12-month financing is available with approved credit on most purchases over $289. Ask for details. You'll find storewide savings at Rutgers Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show. Welcome back on a Thursday. Tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow, Cascade Conference Commissioner uh, Rob Cashel will join us. Get an update on Cascade Conference sports, which includes uh, Providence, Carroll, Rocky for um, soccer, Carroll, Providence for softball. Um, Also, we're going to get an update on basketball. Now, remember, I talked to Bill Pilgrim, or I texted him yesterday, coach out of Corbin. He said they're hoping to get into their gym for the first time next week. How about that? They haven't been in their gym all year. Uh, Also, uh, producer 
TV show host, director John Brinkus will join us from Sports Science. He's got something cool coming up for uh, Sunday for the big game, and he will uh, talk about it. You have a chance to win some cash, cold, hard cash, on Sunday. And uh, John Brinkus will explain tomorrow how you can do that. So join us beginning at 4, Jason Walker Show. All right. It's a good tune. All right. Here we go. Um... So a few years back, I got to know a young lady who was a reporter in town by the name of Susie Milano, and uh, she uh, did a nice job. She was in Helena a short time, moved on out to Monmouth University, and uh, about a year and a half ago, got a job at UCLA. And that was about when her life changed, and uh, I wanted her to share her story, and she joins us now on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. All the way from Los Angeles, welcome in Susie Milano to the Jason Walker Show. Well, first off, it's been a couple of years since you and I have chatted, since you left the beautiful city of Helena. How are you? I am great. Honestly, I think about that place on a regular basis, at least once a week, I think of my time in Montana and Helena specifically. So I definitely miss it a lot. Well, a lot of people don't know this. Um, I found this out. Um, after you and I had a, a talk with a bunch of female athletes at Carroll, but your whole family, well, a lot of your family is from Montana. Your, is it your mom lives in Bozeman? Yeah, my mom grew up in Livingston, just outside of Bozeman. Um, right. And my grandparents stayed there. Um, so as a kid growing up, I made at least a yearly visit to Montana, um, specifically Livingston, Bozeman area, to see my grandparents and um, when they passed away, we kept their house, and we continued on the tradition of going up there every single year. And it's really a second home to us. And my mom's a cat, so we're a we're a big cat family. <laughs> well, and I think I remember that because uh, one of your pictures of that I saw I, I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter, but you were wearing a Bobcats uh, shirt, and I was like, oh, people mm-hmm. are going to get mad. <laughs> Yeah, I actually remember putting that out and knowing that it was going to stir the pot a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're 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 no Grizz fam over here. That's for that's, sure. that's uh, and I'm okay with that. As Susie Milano joins us, <laughs> so after you left Helena, was it two years ago? And then you went out to Monmouth three years ago. Has it been that long? Oh no, it was. It it's been almost five years ago. No way. Has it been that long? Yeah, I was there in um, 2016. Holy cow, I don't even remember that being that long ago. I was there 2016 to 2017. Okay. I left in, um, I started in 2016 because, wait, no, I lied. I'm totally lying. I started in 2015 and I left in 2016. Wow. Um, because it was my first job out of college and I graduated in 2015 and I started that following um, July. So you went to, you were a TCU girl, right? I am. Horn okay. frog, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so proud. There you go. But you got to cover some cool stuff in college before you got here, right? I did. Um, I kind of went overboard with the internship, <laughs> which is, um, you know, it was like a lot of fun, but I don't know if I necessarily recommend it because once you enter into the professional world of sports, it's kind of nonstop. So I, I would advise college students to – get a couple internships but i don't think you need like six or seven like i had because i never saw my family and i didn't know oh once i go to the professional world i'm also never going to see my family so 
enjoy the the freedom while you have it in college, but still find a way to uh, get a couple internships under your belt. Um, but yeah, no, I I interned in the Cape Cod Baseball League for MLB Network and Productions out in New Jersey. Um, also interned for Fox Sports Southwest in Dallas and the local CBS affiliate in in DSW and um, also the TCU athletics department I worked for multiple years at, at TCU. Wow. So after Helena, you went out to Monmouth. And was it your first mm-hmm. year out there that Monmouth football played Montana State? It was one of the your uh, years. No. Or they played the Grizz. They played the Grizz last year. Okay. Why am I just I all sorts there. of confused, Susie? Help me out here. No, I don't know. Well, they they played they played Montana State they they played Montana State the year I was in Montana actually. Okay, that's what it was. So I knew there yeah. was a connection. Yeah, like, it's so, actually really fun when they been out there. Um, the the football team they they were getting out to stretch their legs on the freeway or on the highway, whatever highway it was. I remember what it was, but so the bus driver let the the team off the bus and let them walk around and. Half the team got lost up in a mountain, and they couldn't find them. <laughs> I was like, that's the most Montana story I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Susie Milano. But I ended up obviously finding them, and they all got back on the bus and played the next day. So things were fine, but yeah. it was hilarious. And they lost, I, I believe. Uh, Su- Susie <laughs> Milano joining us, creative video producer at UCLA. And you've been at UCLA for about a year and a half now. Um, how's that been? Right. And, and before we talk about everything else, but um, you're going from Monmouth, which is a relatively small school, to UCLA, which it's a monster. I mean, let's be honest. How's that been? Yeah. Um, well, the transition has honestly been a little bit smoother than I anticipated. Uh, there's, the staff is still pretty small at UCLA. I kind of, I first was looking at the like, I kind of expected it to be a big crew and a big staff, and I'm actually the only full-time video producer on, on for athletics there. Oh, wow. Um, which is insane. I cover every single sport. Um, I have my boss who also helps with video, but he's our creative director. So he's doing a lot of meetings and partnership deals. And he runs mostly, he's, he's the one behind most of our social media. Um, and then my coworker, Eric, I mean, we all do a little bit of everything, but he's mostly graphics. And then we all do photo as well. So it's kind of all hands on deck there. Um, it's been definitely a challenge, but I didn't feel overwhelmed when I got there, and it's been great. I felt like I've, you know, made an impact since day one, which is always a nice feeling. <laughs> so what exactly, what is a creative video producer? I know you, I, and I've seen your work on Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff, but what exactly do you do? Yeah, that's a really good question because it's kind of a new thing in the world of social media. Um, obviously, it's such a fast-growing world that new positions are popping up left and right. Um, a creative video producer, I, most of my stuff is, is seen on social media. Of course, we have it um, on our website as well. Um, and sometimes my work will be on Pac-12 Network as another outlet. Okay. Um, but mostly, um, I'm shooting my own highlights and video um, at games, and then I'll use that for, you know, either making a hype video for the team or if I can, a feature, I'll sit down and interview with student-athletes and do a full story on them, um, more of like a documentary-style um, feature, um, which is my favorite thing to do. Uh, and which I think a lot of that comes from having a 
the background of journalism, a little bit more of the storytelling aspects than, than anything. But, you know, as a creative video producer, you kind of do everything. Um, and I also do a lot of little things like press conferences and, um, you know, single shots for specific teams. If this player needs a highlight, then you cut that out for them. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of everything, but um, the thing that's really wonderful about it is that it's very much a creative outlet, which was something that I was missing when I worked in local TV. Mm-hmm. I felt a little bit like um, it, it was a little too structured for me, and I was, you know, really excited to move on to an opportunity that just embraced my ideas and gave me kind of a, more of a creative outlet. Well, I, it's it's been fun to follow you, your career from Helena down now to uh, to L.A. But um, this is I'm going to throw a question at you that you might not be prepared for. But um, there's been a lot of talk in the the news the last couple of weeks about sexual harassment in in sports journalism, and from you know Mets general manager who used to be a Cubs GM, the Mets former manager. This isn't a New York Mets problem. It's a it's just a sports problem. Um, and I've I had Haley Sutton on who used to work in Great Falls, and we talked about it last week. But give me your take on this because to me, Susie, it's about, and I know your story a little bit, but guys need to change. This is just ridiculous that week after week we're still talking about this. Yeah, I mean it's a really sad reality of what this industry is for women. Um, I would be lying if I said I've never experienced it myself. Um, it's almost something that you expect as a female, which is totally unacceptable. Um, I'm really not sure what else needs to be said for this concept to get through the heads of men in higher positions. But um, it's, it's really, it's depressing. And I just feel like more and more stories are coming out, which in a way is a good thing because more people are speaking up. Of course, you don't want to hear more stories are happening, but the few that we've heard is just the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's mm-hmm. such a horrible problem that, um, you know, is something that obviously needs to change. And I wish I had the answer. I wish I had, you know, the recipe of how to fix it. But it's it's a hard world because when you're young and you're in college and you're hungry to be on air, it's, you're, you don't ever really feel like you're in a position of, you know, I don't necessarily want to say power, but you don't, everything's kind of working against you when you're trying to climb that ladder. And, men are taking full advantage of, well, not all men, I don't want to say all men, but right. a good chunk of men in the professional world take advantage of the fact that these are young women that are looking to, you know, get their career off the ground and they're going to do anything that they can, you know? And I mean, I've had a lot of situations where it's totally unacceptable. And when you're young, you, you're like, wow, that kind of sucks. But then now as I'm older, I'm looking back on it. I'm like, wow, that was not okay. Those mm-hmm. are things that, you know, um, somehow have become a norm for our industry that is just, it needs to be talked about more and there needs to be further action taken that prove that the sports world actually has the backs of women. It's just something that's just not quite, um, you know, practiced yet. Right. We want to see a little bit more backing, which would be nice and obviously more action taken um, from all aspects of respect for women in sports. So it's, we've got a long way to go, but I feel like we are slowly, slowly trying to, you know, shed light on that a little bit more than we normally have. I mean, it's definitely more than when I was an intern and, and you know, in college and whatnot. Right. So it's, it's obviously a problem. I think everybody knows that, which is the worst part, right? I think everybody does know that. 
So why is it still a problem? <laughs> I've run out of question. I, I, I've run out of adjectives to describe just how disheartening it is. And I'm yeah. a huge supporter of women in sports. I mean, you and I sat on a panel at Carroll talking to women's athletes about Title IX and, mm-hmm. and supporting women in athletics. And that was, well, I guess, six years ago, five years ago. And here we are still talking about things that yeah. just are, it, it just drives me nuts. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick, Susie, because I know you've dealt with it personally as well. So I um, appreciate it. Creative video producer at UCLA, Susie Milano, joining us. Okay. So a year and a half ago, Susie, um, you got a job at UCLA and you'd been dealing with some illness. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you get, you moved to LA. You, you, I mean, I read your, your story. You were losing hair. You had rashes. You just uh, uh, attributed it to stress. And then finally they found out mm-hmm. it was lupus. But take me through your journey, Susie, and to find a diagnosis and the pain that you've been in for the last few years. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously this is a huge shock and kind of what rocked my world a little bit. Um, and it has also solidified my decision to focus right now a lot more on my production than being on air. It, it's been very helpful, you know, to know that I've made the right decision when it comes to that. Um, I'll explain that in a second. But basically, I was in the process of trying to find a new job. I'd been at Monmouth for three years, well, I guess two, two and a half years, say, um, and I decided I, I felt like I kind of topped out, and I also, like I said, hadn't been near my family in a really long time, so I really wanted to try to find a way to get back to California. I'm from San Diego, um, and so I was applying for everything under the sun, um, anything that had California in it, even if it was San Francisco, I was applying to Arizona, play, like jobs in Arizona and Nevada because there's driving distance and it was everything. And I, I wasn't landing anything. And I mean, hundreds of job applications. I'm not even exaggerating hundreds. And um, I mean, if you know this industry, then you know that it's a grind when it comes to finding a job, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're young. So um, I was under a lot of stress. I thought, Oh, and also not to mention my job at, at Monmouth was, it was really intense. I was a digital media correspondent there, which meant I was a sideline reporter for their ESPN test, um, as well as their creative video producer. So I did really two jobs. I was working, I don't even know how many hours a week, but there were multiple days a week that I was working, 13, 14, sometimes 15 hour days. And there was no stopping. It was, it, and I was just, you know, so overworked and really, really stressed about finding a new job as well as working my job. Um, and I started noticing that I, I had some a bald spot on the side of my head. And I remember sending a picture to my or a picture to my mom and saying, "What what is happening here? What is this? Why do I have a bald spot here?" And she goes, "Oh, you've always had that." I'm like, "What? I have not always had that." So she was very mistaken <laughs> um, because then it started falling out on the other side as well. Um, so it was just above my, my, so if, if you're a man and you have sideburns, it's just all the way up there on this side or behind my ear and it went around like my temples. Um, and so I couldn't put my hair up in a ponytail because it would show the bald spots, obviously. Um, so I had to wear my hair down all the time. Um, and then I was also going to the dermatologist quite a bit when I was there. Um, 
and I went into his office one day uh, just for like a routine checkup and I had mentioned in passing oh by the way like I have this this rash I started getting a rash across my um like across my eyebrows in the beginning and then it spread below my eyes so it kind of circled around my eyes um and I thought stress um or maybe I'm allergic to my makeup or something and he looked at it for a while and said there you could have an allergy um so he's going to chalk it up as stress and an allergy for that time and then my next appointment with him he it, it had raised a little bit and it was way more red it had also I had marks on my arms as well and um that's when he said does lupus run in your family and I looked at him like he was absolutely insane not a single person in my family has anything autoimmune I was like that's terrifying I had never even thought about the fact that I could have lupus and I called my mom and she's like no don't stress out about that you don't have lupus nobody else has lupus in our family so don't worry I'm like okay so it's stress my sister was getting married that summer um so I was kind of like hey I look nice and skinny for this wedding come to turn out it was not because you know I was working out a lot it was because I was actually sick um, but I just like to find the you know, silver lining there. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my sister's getting married. There's a little out of stress to that too. So everything just kind of pointed towards stress. Um, then I landed my job at UCLA. I was really excited about it. Super happy to be moving to Los Angeles because my plan was to possibly just move to LA anyway, even if I didn't have a job and, um, try to freelance around and just make connections and, you know, try to advance my career in the place that is the best possible place to do it. Um, and then I landed the job at UCLA, and it just kind of felt like all things were falling into place for me. I was really excited to make this, you know, big jump to a Power 5 school. Um, I got there. Everything was great. And then a couple weeks in, actually, no, I'm going to go back really quick. Sorry. I, um, I had to move really fast, so I had to pack up my whole apartment and um, put it in a U-Haul and get everything shipped out here to California. And because of my moving, I started, you know, having a little bit of joint pain and some pain in my shoulders and my hands. And I thought, oh, I just moved furniture. I, you know, of course I'm going to be sore. Of course I'm going to be, you know. Did we lose you? Did we lose you? I think we lost you. We'll work on getting Susie back. Are you there? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, you're back. Good. We just lost you for a second. Yeah. Uh, so joint pain oh, is okay. where, we, where we last heard. Yeah, sorry, this is a very long-winded answer. There's no, no, no. I want little... This is your story, Susie. I want you to explain it in detail, please. Okay. So, so yeah, I moved. Um, I, I had to pack up my apartment in New Jersey, and I had um, a lot of pain in my hands and my, my, you know, just my whole body and thought, oh, I just moved a ton of furniture, and a majority of it was by myself, so it makes sense that I would be sore, and I didn't think much of it. Um, and then... I ended up moving out here, got to UCLA. Everything was great, except for I noticed my joint pain was starting to get worse. And at this point, 
I still had a rash on my face. I still had the balding on the side. And I was starting to lose um, the hair in my eyebrows. And by the end of September, I had barely any hair on my eyebrows. So it was very strange. Obviously, it wasn't normal. Um, and my my hair loss began back in March of 2019. So it was quite a bit of time between when I first started really, really showing signs until when I got diagnosed. So obviously, all those things are not normal. I was feeling really, really fatigued. I started feeling super nauseous. Um, anytime I was outside for a really long time. Um, and I talked to our HR department and said, look, I really need to see a doctor. I didn't quite have my insurance ready to go yet because it was, uh, I was a new employee. So they managed to find a way to rush my insurance and get me in with a doctor. And I saw a rheumatologist. And then about four days after I saw her, she called me and told me that I had lupus. So I went and saw her and she um, did all, ran all the blood work. And usually it takes a long time for somebody to get a diagnosis when it's autoimmune because there's, it shows them this, the, size, uh, the signs of it are very common in a lot of different diseases. Um, but they knew right away that it was lupus. My numbers showed that it was slightly severe. There was more on the severe side. So it was um, really a shock to our entire family. Um, and I had to start treatment less than a week later, and I, they started me on, hydro, on hydroxychloroquine, um, which I think a lot of people are now very familiar with. <laughs> Extremely. <of> COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't want to comment on that, but uh, we need it. <laughs> we definitely need it. Um, I don't know about you. <laughs> I, have, do. I don't need it yet, so. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, anyway, uh, it's very, it, almost every lupus patient takes hydroxychloroquine as a form of treatment for their lupus. Um, and so I started that, it was, it was tough on me. Um, it, the begin in the beginning, it made me really, really nauseous. And I, I started out by taking it in the mornings and my doctors said to take it in the morning. And then I decided I not, not doing that because it would make me, I, I the first day I took it. I remember driving to work and just having to pull over on the side of the street because I was going to get sick. And then I ended up getting to work and I saw my boss and I said, I'm going back home. I was in the door for about 10 minutes and I went back home. Um, and so then I started hydroxychloroquine. It, it was fine, um, but I was on every possible pain medication that we could be on before they gave me a, a, a prescription. I was taking like eight Advil a day. Um, Tylenol to offset the Advil. So I was taking like um, close to 16 pills a day wow. for my pain and also using um, like creams to help my hands and heating pads every night. And um, it got to the point where my, my joint pain in my feet and knees were so bad that I could barely walk. Um, and the pain has been the worst in my hands. So um, my hands and fingers would well up really a lot um, to the point where I couldn't grip anything with my hands. And I have now done permanent damage on my hands, on my joints, because of the swelling. Um, has, you know, I've done some nerve damage, so the 
muscle weakness in my hands is a permanent thing, which is just awesome. Um, especially for somebody whose job it is to hold a camera. Mm, yeah. So um, that's that's a hard thing to uh, a hard pill to swallow for sure. Um, but we decided after trying every single kind of pain medication um, that they were going to put me on prednisone, which is a steroid. Um, and it's a little bit, it's the most dangerous pain medication when it comes to what they can prescribe me because it's usually a quick fix medication that people get when they have infections or they've had surgery or something, then they're on it for a couple weeks and then they're off of it. But mm-hmm. I've actually been on it for a year. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm in the process of weaning off of it. I need to or taper off. Like I started at a certain number of pills and now I'm down to, you know, I think one, I, I guess two pills a day. Um, so we're getting close to being off of it, but yeah, it's a little bit, more um, dangerous than the average pain medication. So I don't love that I'm on that. Um, and then come about March, of course, the pandemic hit. Right. And um, it's, it, I mean, I know it's horrible for everybody and everyone has their own struggles, but it has been especially difficult on me and my family because I am considered high risk. And so I have barely been able to leave my apartment and I'm really not able to see anybody. Um, and on top of that, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out exactly which drugs I need to take to um, combat this disease. So I started, I'm not even kidding, maybe two weeks after the pandemic hit, my doctor put me on um, azathioprine, which is a chemotherapy drug that I took for about three months in the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and it was horrible. I don't know how cancer patients are able to get through. I all the respect to them because I just reacted so terribly to it. And I was on a pretty low dose in comparison to what other people have to deal with. Um, But it caused heart palpitations. I was going in and out, in and out of the ER and um, just constantly worried that, you know, something is wrong. And so my doctor decided, well, that's not going to work for you. So they have switched me to Venlista, which is um, an infusion that I get in the beginning. It was every other week, and now it's just once a month. I go into the oncology center um, at the UCLA hospital, and I get an infusion. And so far, it's amazing. It's showing great num- uh, great trends in my numbers. And, um, I mean, I, I'm only very positive about it. And if you're comparing how I feel today in comparison to how I felt on this day a year ago, I would say it's a world of a difference. Um, I'm not quite where I want to be physically, but um, it's a huge step. Uh, Benlista is a specific drug for lupus patients. It's actually the only lupus-specific drug on the market. So it's it's a specialty drug, and um, I'm so grateful that I have the ability to get that treatment through UCLA. Um, It's a very expensive treatment, and I have the best, health insurance I've ever had in my entire life and I pay zero dollars for it and oh. it is an absolute miracle I don't even pay copay that's awesome <laughs> and yeah without without insurance it's like seventeen thousand dollars in infusion oh man that and is so I get I I'm so unbelievably lucky that that's the position that I'm in right now thanks to UCLA because it's they honestly UCLA has pretty much saved my life if you want to be dramatic about it it's 
it's crazy the timing of it and I'm just so grateful that they, you know, have had my back this whole time. Well, I was reading Susie, uh, Susie Milano joining us, um, talking about her diagnosis, uh, and, and, and struggle with lupus, but reading your, your story and, um, you know, talking about how you missed most of the U.S. or UCLA USC football game, your first big one, um, basketball mm-hmm. season. You know, sitting in the in the bathroom crying because of the pain. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I know you because you worked. I mean, we we interacted here in Helena, but you're a strong girl. And reading that story was just like, oh my gosh, um, I cannot imagine. Because, like I said, how strong you are, but then to deal with the pain that I can't even imagine what that's what that's like. So, uh, man, I, I I got nothing to say with that part. Thank you. Yeah, it it, it was weird. Um, totally not, you know, what I ever thought I would be dealing with, especially not at this age. Um, so I know a part of it too is, of course, the pain is horrible. Um, that USC. UCLA football game, I was throwing up in the press box because of my medication. And I, I just remember being so disappointed in myself that I felt like something like this had gotten in the way of my work. And I know you know me, and my, my career is number one. And I, the, the thought of me having to slow down because of my health is something I never expected. And it definitely takes a toll on you mentally. And um, the pain is terrible, but the mental toll is, is really tough as well. Um, and so it's a work in progress. I mean, you know, every day trying to, to figure out how to, you know, not be so hard on myself and realize, like, this is a real-life thing. Um, it's, it's just so new. And, I mean, people learn to live with lupus for a long time, and um, it's just, not a situation that I ever thought I would be in. I mean, I barely even knew what lupus was when my, my doctors told me that I had it. Um, but it's, it's tough. The pain is unlike anything I've ever felt. And it's just so consistent. Um, as in every single day, I have pain somewhere. Um, I honestly don't remember the last time I didn't have pain in some part of my body. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's really tough. I don't want to, you know, pretend like I'm, you know, just handling it like no, no problem. Like it's really hard. Right. Um, and I'm better off than a lot of people are that, that have lupus. So, um, it's a struggle, but I'm learning every day. It's a new part of me. (laughs) Can you explain what exactly, I mean, I'm reading about it, but what is lupus and how does it affect people? Yeah. Um, I mean, now that, now that you're a pro, now that I know everything, <laughs> oh my gosh, you have no idea how many hours I have probably spent on the internet Googling what is lupus, how does lupus affect my blah, 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 how does lupus affect this, how right. does, you know, what do I do? Oh my gosh, you know, my mom the same, it's, it's been a constant, you know, research party at our house. Um, lupus is an autoimmune disease where your um, immune system is essentially attacking itself because it can't differentiate between um, what is bad and what is good in your body. So if you have a virus um, and, and your body is fighting against it to keep you healthy, it knows what to attack. 
and where to attack. When you have lupus, your body's just always in attack mode constantly, 24-7, um, and it will attack every organ in your body, um, from your skin to your kidneys to your liver to your brain to your heart, everything, because it's confused on what it's supposed to be doing, essentially, um, which is why, well, the, the treatment that I'm on is trying to basically calm down my immune system um, to say, hey, <laughs> relax, that's good, that's healthy tissue, stop going after that. Um, and it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty complex and it's really confusing, um, but the only way to really calm down my immune system is to almost turn it off. Mm. So that's why if I was to get COVID, it would be really, really bad because I have nothing to really fight against it. Um, which is why a lot of, a lot of the times people who have lupus have a really hard time with just the, the normal flu because their body is not, you know, they're probably on immunosuppressant drugs that confuse its body on the fact that there's something that they need to attack. So it's kind of, um, crazy to think that really the only way <laughs> To fix the problem is by turning it off completely, um, but I think that we're just still in the process of finding exactly how to manage it. Um, it's such a complex thing that there's a lot of a lot of extensive research that goes into it. Um, but Benlista is the closest thing that they have to specifically targeting that part of your body. So it's scary. It's um, dangerous for sure if you don't take care of it. But there's a lot of things that you can do to make sure that you live pretty much a normal life to an extent. Um, it comes down to finding ways to, you know, stay healthy, stay active, um, anything that's, you know, going to help your immune system normally. But you also want to make sure you don't trigger your immune system. So, for example, when you're sick, and I don't know if people know this, but when you're sick, um, it's very common for people to say, eat garlic, eat things with garlic in it because it kicks your immune system into overdrive and it helps you get over having some kind of sickness um, quickly. For me, I'm not allowed to eat any garlic. I can't eat any garlic because it's going to make my immune system overact. It's going to trigger it and it's going to make me go into a flare, um, which is really hard for my grandma because I'm Italian. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. So my grandma can't make me any food with garlic in it, and she complains every time. Oh, grandma. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, no, there's there's a lot of things like that. Um, I have to figure out which um, which foods, you know, cause me to flare. A lot of the times dairy is not good. It's infl um, inflammatory. So it's just learning a little bit more about nutrition and, and knowing what, you know, foods cause inflammation, what foods trigger your immune system, and, and all of that. So there's a lot of moving parts that go into the treatment process. It's not just drugs. Um, there's a lot about mental stability and um, all of that because, sorry to ramble, but the biggest, one, my personal biggest trigger um, is stress and anxiety. And the more stressed you get, the it causes a, a reaction and it will cause me to flare. Um, so in a sense, going back to the beginning, my hair loss, my rash, my joint pain was essentially triggered by the stress I was feeling by trying to apply for a new job and find a new job. Um, 
it was because of my lupus that I was reacting that way. But stress and anxiety is just the number one thing that I'm trying to learn how to control so that I don't constantly flare up. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Uh, you do have a website, support.lupus.org slash go to slash team Susie. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sure you have quite an extensive support group um, once you've uh, got this, but it, um, and, and you got the diagnosis, but you consider yourself a loopy. I, I've never heard that before. Um, yeah, a loopy is just a, it's a term that people in the lupus community, you know, we try to make light of the situation. It's really all you can do, right? Right, yeah. Uh, Susie Milano joining us, creative video producer at UCLA. Hey, I, I appreciate you telling us the story, and I, I, I'm sure it's easier to tell it now than it was, you know, a year ago. Um, but where do you go from here besides the drugs, besides finding out what you can and cannot eat? Um, I mean, you can live a normal life till 80, 90, or I don't know anything about this. I hope so. I don't really know. Honestly, every day I think I'm going to die. I know oh that sounds crazy, but I'm just well, like, Now oh. you make me feel bad. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. It's just kind of my reality. I, I'm over dramatic anyway. So well, that is true. Um, a, you're a woman, and B, you're Italian. Come on. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just talking about being nice to women. Well, I know. I... Uh, <laughs> um, so, no, it's hopefully, I mean, I, I have a good feeling that I should live a full happy life. Um, I just have to pay really close attention to what my body's telling me. And um, it's still very, very new to me, so it's still kind of scary. Um, but once I, I, I haven't quite, grasp exactly how I'm going to manage this completely. And once I feel like I found it, um, then I think I'll, I'll go, I'll get through my days a little bit easier. Um, but it's a struggle. I mean, I have, I have chest pants on a regular basis. Um, I have this, what's called pleurisy, which means the inflammation or the lining of your, of your lungs gets inflamed and it causes pain in your lungs. So I have a lot of things like that that it's like, chest pain, you go to the ER, you know, right. lung pain, you go to the ER. So one of the biggest things about this is trying to recognize when your body is being serious and when it's just something as simple as, you know, inflammation. Um, and that's, for me, that's the hardest part because it's so new to me that everything that I feel I assume is going to kill me, right. <laughs> which sounds so bad, but it's, it's a scary thing. It's, it's just the reality of it, and um, I don't want the listeners to worry that, like, oh, I'm just going to die tomorrow. I mean, I guess, like, anybody could. But, um, no, I, I think I've also learned to not talk about it in such a morbid way. It's just kind of the way it is, and I just have to take care of myself, um, which everybody should anyway. So, in a weird way, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is something you should have been doing all along. Um, it's just being more understanding of your body and your health and your mental health. Um, so it's kind of a lesson for everybody just to, you know, hopefully not everybody needs the wake up call that I got to uh, take care of themselves. Well, it's uh, like I said, reading your story and then hearing it firsthand. Um, I just, you're, a, you're, you're strong. And like I said that before, I mean, you, you're, you've been a strong woman and you're going to, you're going to battle through this. There's no question about it. 
when you how do you get to work? I mean, how how does this with UCLA now? Um, yeah. So I I do want to say that UCLA has been a saving grace for me through all of this. Mm-hmm. I I got the job there, and a month later had to tell my boss that I was you know, facing one of the biggest challenges of my life. Um, and my boss has been absolutely amazing. He's, you know, he gave me a hug when I told him that I'd known him for a month and I'm like, this is a new job. This is a new place. And this, you know, my, my boss is making me feel so supported, which um, is more than a lot of other places I've been, I can say for. Um, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing on everybody at UCLA because I want to be able to give as much as I can. Um, but they're very gracious of my time and, you know, always supportive. And, and I feel comfortable being open with them about when I'm not feeling well. And um, every time I have an infusion, I, you know, I get the day to go in and, and get my infusion and take care of what I need to take care of. And, I mean, I had a conversation with my boss today about, you know, what's going on next. I have an infusion next week and I have to get my blood work done next week um, on two separate days. So I always hate being like, hey, I actually can't work the game on the 8th because I have to go get my blood work done and then the 11th I have an infusion. Like, it's, I always feel a little guilty about it, but he's always really, really understanding and he says, you know, well, just take care of what you need to take care of. We got your back. No matter what, we'll, we'll handle it. And it's, it's just amazing that I have landed in a place like that because in the sports world, that's not always the case. Um, and so I'm very lucky, but due to COVID, um, things have been really hard when it comes to just working in sports in general, let alone working in sports while having, um, you know, while being high risk. So it was kind of a recipe for disaster in the beginning, um, because nobody really knew what was going on. I, did not go into campus, onto campus, I don't think until, from March until, I'm not sure, maybe October. Wow. Um, I didn't shoot any football this season, uh, as much as that pains me to say. I, I just, it was, my, my doctor said there's too many people there. It's not worth the risk. Just do, uh, find other ways to help. So I managed to, you know, offer my services from home as much as I could. So, you know, cutting press conferences and doing all picking up jobs that I normally wouldn't have to do to, you know, pull my weight. Um, but I started shooting again during basketball season because I was able to confirm that there weren't going to be too many people there. So I go to a basketball game, I may interact with one, maybe two people. And the closest person to me is probably 400 feet away. So I feel completely safe. Um, you know, Poly Pavilion is huge, so we can all definitely keep our distance. I'm on concourse level, so I don't go near the players. I'm up high, which definitely sucks for your content, but, you know, I'll take what I can get right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we're making it work. It's, it's been tough. The beginning of COVID was hard. It was a lot of editing video with stuff that I'd shot already and used already and just finding different ways to make it look exciting. And so it was a real challenge, but we managed to – to get through, I think, the hardest part of it now that we're able to to work one-on-one with student-athletes and go to games, it's made things a lot, a lot easier. And the student-athletes and the coaches have been, I'm sure, unbelievable to work with in general, but especially now. 
Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're all high class, you know, they're, they're classy people and, and everybody at UCLA is, is amazing. Um, COVID has just kind of, you know, thrown everyone for a loop. Um, I, I don't really mention to our players and our coaches that I have lupus. Um, I have put it out on my social media. So of course, if they follow me or whatever, they've seen it, but it's not really a topic of conversation among us. You know, I go there, do my job and then, you know, just take care of what I need to take care of and I move on. So they're very professional about everything. And, um, it's, it's great. It's, I'm, I'm almost sometimes happy that I have that as a distraction. I'm, I'm happier when I have a lot to do because I don't sit around and think about, oh, my chest is hurting. Oh, mm-hmm. my, you know, knees are hurting today. And I don't dwell on the fact that, you know, my body is doing something I don't understand. So it's nice to have a lot of work and, and to stay distracted because if it wasn't for, for that, I'd go crazy. <laughs> Well, like I said, I, uh, I I wish you the best. I appreciate the the uh, time for sure. Uh, what's the website again? Um, so that website that you you referenced is um, a direct link to the Lupus Foundation. Okay. Um, it's a national foundation that just supports um, lupus research. Um, and back in October, we had a five k, a virtual five k, and uh, I had a team. I'm not 100% sure if you can um, donate directly to my team still because that was specifically for the 5K. Um, but I know that there's a way to di- um, directly donate to the Lupus Foundation um, specifically. The foundations like that are always taking donations. So sure, yeah. although there might not be a specific um, a specific event going on they're raising money for, they'd always be open to taking donations. So I would just check out the Lupus Foundation um, and – See what they got going. Gotcha. Um, I'm very appreciative. Like I said, um, I wish you the best, and I'm so happy to catch up with you because, like I said, I haven't talked to you in forever. Uh, some tweets here and there, but you just you dis you were you were in our live for a short time, and then you disappeared and went off to bigger and better things. <laughs> Always looking to go up, right? I mean, yeah. I'm career. I'm so career oriented that. You know, I'm always looking for the next thing, but it's actually to share a quick story about my transition out of Helena, um, just a side story because I think it's so funny. Um, I, I landed at Monmouth because I did a story on Carroll College and their bench celebration. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was the Monmouth bench mob was all over sports center and everything like that. And, um, so I did that story. And I tweeted it at the Monmouth Bench Mob, and the Monmouth Bench Mob retweeted the story about Carroll College um, doing the same thing. And because of that, I got a bunch of Monmouth fans and employees to follow me on Twitter, and then that's pretty much how I ended up getting my job. So uh, it's crazy what social media can do. Oh, it's uh, well, it got me fired, but um, uh, I digress. Oh, no. <laughs> I digress from that. Um, I remember those because that was like Alejandro Santos, Picaris, and and those guys yeah. that were leading those celebrations back then when Carson Cunningham was the coach. Yep. Those were fun, Seems fun like days. Seems like forever ago, right? <laughs> oh, I know it does. <laughs> and Carson's gone. You're gone. I don't. I don't work for you know. I don't call Carroll games anymore. So, um, yeah. but I a uh, lot has changed. Exactly. Hey, uh, don't be a stranger. Stay in touch. I'm going to follow you even more than I normally would, but um, 
I am so happy that you were able to, uh, to, to do this and, uh, and share your story. I know it's late in Cali. It's late here in Montana, but also known as Montana. Um, but man, <laughs> um, just the best of luck to you and the best wishes to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to speak on this. It's been great. Susie Milano joining us here on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. We recorded that a couple of nights ago, but we wish her the best for sure and appreciate her sharing her story. So if you missed anything, you can go to jasonwalkershow.com. Just sent an email off for a very cool interview request, so I'm hoping to get that. Oh, by the way, speaking of very cool Internet requests, a week from today, we're going to have two amazing guests. One played basketball at Carroll College, and she's off to uh, great things. And another is a singer-songwriter in Nashville. And she has a couple of great songs out, and uh, including Work in Progress. Uh, you can hear a lot of her music on uh, Channel 55 on Sirius XM. It's all called the Garth Channel. And her name is Allie Colleen, and she will join us a week from today here on the Jason Walker Show. Check out her music. She is fantastic. Uh, so that's on the way next week. Tomorrow, Rob Cashel and uh, John Brinkus will join us. Let's do uh, On This Day in History. It is Create a Vacuum Day. It is Homemade Soup Day. Thank a Mail Carrier Day and Optimus Day. In this date, 1902, the Stanley Cup, Winnipeg Auditorium in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Ooh, Alex Ponovic would uh, have enjoyed this. Well, not really, because Montreal, HC, beats Winnipeg Victorias in the Stanley Cup. And then a year later on this date, 1903, the exact two teams played in the exact same situation. Montreal Hockey Club beat Winnipeg Victorias. 1924, Norway sweeping the medals in the Nordic Combined Event at the inaugural uh, Winter Games in France. Thorleif Hogg won his third gold of the Games ahead of teammates Thoralf Stromsted and Johan Grottemsbraten. 1932, the third Winter Olympic Games opened at Lake Placid. So is Lake Placid hosted three times? 32, 60, and 80? Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, 1976, the 12th Winter Games opened at Innsbruck, Austria. 2007, Super Bowl, Dolphin Stadium, Miami. Indianapolis Colts in a rainstorm beat the Chicago Bears. Peyton Manning winning his first. 2018, U, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Eagles defeated the Patriots. Happy birthdays, Charles Lindbergh, born on this date in 1902. He landed in 19... 19- 37? 27. He landed one of those dates. I think 1937. He landed at uh, what is now Bill Roberts Golf Course. Like on the 10th fairway. Uh, Byron Nelson, great golfer. He won a record 19 tournaments in 1945. Was born in Fort Worth on this date in 1912. Rosa Parks in 1913. Uh, Vincent Fernier. Who's Vincent Fernier, you ask? Born in 1948 on this date? A pretty good golfer himself. Alice Cooper. 1959, Lawrence Taylor was born. 1962, Clint Black. In 1973, Oscar De La Hoya celebrated 
or celebrates his birthday on this date. We always hear from the guys. No, That's not what we all. Let's do this. We're almost at the end of the show. What did we learn? And what did he miss? Time for the walk off. Uh, if you missed anything, including our uh, talk with uh, Susie Milano, go to jasonwalkershow.com. Uh, if you missed uh, the news earlier, Rocky women, Western women will not play this weekend. Uh, scheduled for uh, Dylan. The men still will play. You have uh, Big Sky Conference action tonight, a little bit of high school action tonight. I did see uh, this as well. Uh, Peyton Ferris, former Twin Bridges and Montana State standout who played professionally in Spain last year, uh, uh, the last few years, is uh, going to become an assistant starting tonight with the Bobcat women and Trisha Binford. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty awesome that she's back home, and uh, and she's going to be a great, great assistant coach, no doubt about that. Uh, did see uh, what else too? Michael Petre, a former Bobcat running back coach, hired to be the running back uh, running backs coach with the Chicago Bears today. And Eric Frazier, who has been uh, coaching wide receivers for the Bobcats, is uh, heading off to take an assistant offensive role with the Tennessee Titans. So. A couple of uh, former Bobcats heading off now to uh, to the pros, which is really cool. So uh, let's see here. I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it for tonight. I hope you had a fun one. I know I did. Tomorrow, don't forget, Cascade Conference Commissioner Rob Cashel will join us. We'll also check in with Sports Sciences' John Brinkus. He's got something pretty cool coming up on uh, Sunday for the Super Bowl. You can win money. He'll tell you all about it tomorrow here on the Jason Walker Show. We are in the Major Mortgage Man Cave, and as always, presented by Capital Collision Center. We have fantastic sponsors, great listeners and viewers and supporters of this show. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 4. Have a great Thursday night. The Jason Walker Show is produced by the Jason Walker Media Company. Any reuse, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of the Jason Walker Show is strictly prohibited. Just listen, watch, and enjoy.